Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. During the time of the Reformation, when the church festal calendar was being reformed in order to properly focus on the person of Christ and his work, and in order to teach faithful and pure doctrine, one of the festivals that remained and gained a sort of prominence was that of St. Michael the Archangel. During the Middle Ages, the number of feasts and festivals grew so large that there were festivals for Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, and even guardian angels. Rather than removing all of them, they were rolled into one, St. Michael and all angels, so that they may be a time in the church year to teach about the scriptural doctrine of angels. In our day, this is no less important. And while we do not have to grapple with ideas from Roman popular piety, there are many false doctrines regarding angels that have been popularized in our day by charismatics, by neo-pagans who have claimed angels as their own, by occultists, and others which teach for the looking of omens, teach divination by angels, and even prayer to them. And so this morning we'll focus on the biblical teaching about the holy angels, that is, the heavenly hosts. First, we will look at how the holy angels are in relation to God, who is called the Lord God of hosts. From his name we learn something already. The angels are his angels, they're his creatures. The angels themselves are not gods, they're not eternal. Rather, they are creatures although they are purely spiritual ones, created by God to serve him. We use the term angel or holy angel to refer to those spirits created by God for his service. But we must not think that there is only one kind of angelic being. The scripture gives many names and describes them differently, so that we may see that just as God has created all sorts of a variety of creatures here on earth, so too he created a variety of creatures in heaven. There are cherubim and seraphim and thrones, rulers, authorities, and powers, princedoms, archangels, and angels. And while it may be tempting to try to figure out their rank and their order, we do not know what this is from the scripture, and neither do we know if there are any more kinds than these. We must be satisfied with what the scripture reveals to us and not go beyond it. <clears throat> but returning to the holy angels' relationship to God, we do not know when God created the angels, but we know that it must have been within those first six days of creation when all things were made. Moreover, Job tells us that they were there early on during that. As the Lord, when speaking to Job, says, that during creation the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Here the holy angels are called the morning stars because of their steadfastness to him, their faithfulness to him. And they're called sons of God because of their righteousness and holiness. In our gospel lesson this morning, our Lord Jesus speaks of angels, saying, See that you do not despise these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. 
From this we see that the holy angels always see the face of God. That is, they behold him forever and are able to be in his holy, wonderful, and awesome presence. They are able to see God in this way, a joy beyond all telling. And it is a joy that is promised to those who believe in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks of this saying, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. This beatific vision, as it is called, is their reward for their faithfulness to God when Satan, who was once an angel of light, rebelled against God. St. Peter writes, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. From this we see that the states of angels is now fixed. The holy angels are fixed forever in blessedness, the evil angels in judgment. And since the holy angels behold God at all times, they also ceaselessly praise, worship, and glorify him. For how could they not praise him when they are given the gift of seeing his majestic glory at all times? When Isaiah was given a glimpse of the majesty of God while he was serving in the temple, he saw the seraphim in unending flight around the throne of God, praising him continually. Each seraph, Isaiah writes, had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. As the seraphim continued to praise the Lord of hosts, that is, the Lord of angelic armies, they also do so with great reverence and humility. See how these holy beings cover their own faces and their own feet in God's presence not daring to be seen as presumptuous before him, even as they worship and praise him. And this praise of the holy angels stems from their love for him. For who can be in his gracious presence and not love him? And from this love, which results in praise, also comes their service and obedience to his perfect will. In a vision, the prophet Daniel saw the heavenly hosts standing before the throne of God, ready as if to serve him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Their presence before his throne to worship him also signals their ready willingness to serve and obey him. Their ready obedience is a characteristic of the holy angels. As the Psalms says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones, who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Thus the holy angels ever serve and obey, unlike the evil angels, which we often call demons, who left their appointed places. That the holy angels obey is a great comfort to us, brothers and sisters, for one of the works which God commands them is to serve us. How great a thought that these holy beings higher and purer than we are, are sent to serve us. Johann Friedrich Stark, a Lutheran pastor in the 1700s, 
writes that the closest thing that we can compare this to is as if a great and mighty king had sent his personal bodyguard to serve you. It seems unbelievable, but that is what the scriptures tell us. The author of Hebrews calls angels ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Indeed, what a great gift that the Lord God not only dwells with us in the person of his Son, not only comforts and guides us by the Holy Spirit, but also sends his angels to serve us. And surely they do so gladly, for in doing so they both serve God and those who will join them in eternal life around God's throne. And their ministering happens in a number of ways. First, they are present with us who are to inherit salvation. Our Lord speaks about their angels in our gospel lesson when referring to children. And it appears from scripture that these angels follow us throughout our whole Christian life. In Acts, St. Peter was in prison and was freed by an angel in the middle of the night. He then went to a home where he knew there were Christians. Those in the home doubted that it was actually Peter, thinking that he was still in prison, and said that it must be his angel who instead was there, the angel which God assigned to watch over him. And indeed, from our Lord's own mouth, we know that when the faithful die, their soul is carried by the angels to heaven. Thus, from our infancy in the faith, Unto our dying breath we have the protection of angels. However, do not think that this is because God cannot protect us on his own power or by his own might. Of course God can. He is our rock and our fortress, our sun and our shield. He is our might. Yet out of his great grace he desires to use his holy angels for this work that we may be blessed through them. In the same way, God desires that he uses us, his Christian people, to serve one another and to love them. And this is appropriate, for in our Christian life we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, St. Paul writes, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And if our foe is such a great horde, will not the Lord God of hosts also send his angelic armies to the aid of his people? We are surrounded and assaulted by a great and dangerous foe, but God in his mercy has seen that he will likewise use his great hosts of holy angels to contend with them for us. See for the example our epistle reading which narrates the heavenly picture of what was happening on, in heaven as our Lord Jesus Christ defeated sin, death, and the devil while on the cross. The death of Christ was all that was necessary in order to do this. Yet the Lord in his mercy saw fit to use Michael and the other holy angels to do his will and to cast Satan and the evil angels out of his presence forever now that Christ has made atonement so that the accuser can no longer accuse the brothers day and night before God, being cast out of heaven forever. And there are many examples in the scriptures which demonstrate for us the ways in which God has used his holy angels, and which he continues to do so today, even if we are unaware. 
When Lot was in Sodom, the Lord sent angels to watch, to warn him and his family, and to escort them out of the city. The apocryphal book of Tobit, whom the early Lutherans kept within their Bibles and read as something that was edifying to us, shows an angel accompanying the character Tobias on his journey, keeping him safe. So too the Lord sends his angels to accompany us on our journeys and travels to keep us safe. The holy angels also have a role in protecting us in the works of our vocation, when go which God has given us. For it says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. We see also that the Lord sent angels ahead of Israel as they entered the promised land to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So too, by his grace, God sends his angels ahead of us to contend and drive out evil before us. Such as when we pray at Compline that God would send his angels to drive out from our homes all the snares of the enemy. Even in this time of, even in the time of temptation, it appears that the angels assist us, just as the devil and his angels attempt to ensnare us. For since the Lord sent his angels to protect Daniel from the mouth of the lion, would he not also do the same against the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour if we, like Daniel, pray to God for help? Speaking of prayer, the angels themselves aid us by their own prayers on our behalf, because they know true power and protection comes from God alone. In Zechariah, the angel with Zechariah prays for the Lord to have mercy on Jerusalem and to deliver it. And in Revelation, we see angels carrying the prayers of the church up to the altar of God and offering their own prayers alongside the prayers of the church. Truly, this is indeed a great gift and a blessing from our good and gracious God. And how, then, must we conduct ourselves with regard to the holy angels of God? First, we must remember that the holy angels are servants themselves, fellow servants of God, who were sent to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. And so, if we desire the protection of God's angels, we must have a living faith, a saving faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. For such a faith produces a fear of God and a love of God our Father. And this is good, for the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear the Lord and delivers them, it says in the Psalms. If we do not fear God, if we do not trust in Christ for our salvation, then neither will God send his angels to watch over us. But where Christ is, including where he is in believers who are, dwelt by, who are indwelt by Christ by faith, there surely God's angels are too. And this is also important for us as people of God, who will, by God's grace, dwell with the angels in God's presence eternally, not to offend the same holy angels in our life. In our gospel lesson, our Lord says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. And the reason he says that, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. 
In this, our Lord says that in despising the little ones of the faith, children and all who have a childlike faith, we also despise their angels. This displeases our Heavenly Father, before whom all angels stand and give account. We should strive, therefore, not to sin against our brothers and sisters, but to love them. Likewise, we do not want to offend our own angels, whom our Father has sent to watch us by our own sins or wicked living. Instead, we should join them in the works which they are known for and which we will continue to do in the resurrection of the body, that is, worship and humble service. First, regarding humble service, the holy angels themselves humble themselves in their service for us, for they, as holy beings, serve us weak, frail, and mortal creatures in accordance with God's will. Our Lord said in the Gospel lesson, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. To serve our neighbor in humility, flowing from a childlike faith in Christ, is surely God-pleasing and in accordance with his will. And this exhortation to humility for the sake of the angels is actually nothing new. St. <clears throat> Paul, when speaking to the church of Corinth regarding women covering their heads in worship, says, This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. This also leads us into the topic of worship. For the holy angels ceaselessly worship the Lord, and so too will we in the resurrection. As such, we ought to always occupy ourselves with such things now, as St. Paul encourages us, pray without ceasing. We ought to give thanks to God for his care that he lavishes upon us, and for how he has sent his holy angels to protect us. Likewise, we ought to pray that he would continue to grant us this angelic protection and drive the evil one away from us. Moreover, when we gather together in corporate worship, we join ourselves with the whole host of heaven in praising God. We join with the songs of angels, both in the Gloria in Excelsis, which follows the song of the angels on the birth of Christ, and in the Sanctus, which is the song of the angels in Isaiah 6. In this, we receive a foretaste of the eternal joys of heaven. We find this especially in the sacrament, where Christ our Lord descends to us with his body and blood, and we experience heaven on earth. For where Christ is present to forgive the sins of all who come to him in repentant faith is surely heaven on earth. And so may the thrice holy God, the Lord of heavenly hosts, always send his angels to protect us. And may he, by the work of his Holy Spirit, crucify our sinful flesh and make us more and more like the angelic hosts, so that, being received into his kingdom by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we may serve, obey, praise, and glorify God forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.